What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. News broke earlier this week that Mr. Beast's Feastables brand signed a deal with the Charlotte Hornets to become the team's official jersey patch sponsor starting this season. It's the first time that a creator-owned brand will grace an NBA jersey. And this announcement comes on the heels of the many partnerships signed by Prime, Logan Paul and KSI's drink brand, with sports teams, athletes, and franchises all over the world. So today's podcast is going to explore the rise of creator-owned brands in sports, and I'll talk you through why Feastables and Prime deals aren't going to be the last. I think you're really going to enjoy this breakdown, so let's get right into it. Okay, so it's no secret that the world's most popular YouTubers make money in various different ways. Some of them sell merchandise and have subscriptions, while others might host events, take donations, launch courses, and do social media consulting for brands. But virtually all creators do brand deals. Now, the easiest way to explain a brand deal is when a company pays a creator, typically on a CPM basis, basically you get X number of dollars per thousand views, to be featured in their video or post in exchange for cash. So they say, hey, go market us. This is a sponsorship deal. We're going to pay you cash depending on how many views you get. Now, there's just one problem to this. Some of the world's biggest creators are getting too big to do these deals. And I'll explain. So there's someone named Jimmy Donaldson. You guys know him as Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is the world's biggest YouTuber. His main channel has 189 million subscribers, and his weekly videos frequently surpass 200 million views. He recently, in the last year or two, did a Squid Games remake that had over 500 million views. So he's getting a tremendous amount of attention. Obviously, YouTube views are different from television views, but if you think about the Super Bowl, that's like 100 to 125 million viewers in the United States. He's getting 200, albeit YouTube views, but those are going up to 500 million views per video. So a lot of attention. Now, that's obviously great for him. He's become one of the world's best YouTubers. Great. Awesome. But the problem is that to make a fair amount of money and to charge brands what would be required for that many views on a singular YouTube video... Many companies literally cannot afford it. There's this video that he did through an interview with Colin and Samir. They have a great YouTube channel, and they sat down with Mr. Beast last year. And there's one clip that I want to read to you. He essentially says, our views are crazy. Our videos get 200 million views per each video. For me to get paid a fair price on that video, it's like literally half of a company's entire yearly spend on YouTube. I'm not just going to give them a discount because they can't afford it. And that's really the sense that many of the world's biggest YouTubers are not getting to. If you're getting 100 million, 200 million, 300 million views on a video, and albeit there's only a few people in the world who are doing that consistently, the amount of money that it would take for a brand to sponsor you for one video is roughly half of their marketing budget or their entire marketing budget, depending on the size of the business. So we're seeing this shift happen, and it's certainly been happening over the last several years, but it's accelerating now. And one of the things that Mr. Beast has realized is that instead of relying on brand deals to fund the expansion of his channels, Mr. Beast, I think he said the other day that he has spent more than $100 million on production costs this year. Across all his channels, he'll spend $100 million. I mean, that's absolutely insane. This guy's running a Fortune 500 company under his own name. Like, that's legitimately insane. But for him to fund all of that, you can't just rely on brand deals. He has realized that he's better off leveraging his distribution and his audience to build brands for himself. Now, the reason why this is so important is because you get enterprise value. You're getting a multiple off the sales that you create. So Mr. Beast can get cash from Samsung or Apple or any other brand in the world. But ultimately, what he's doing is he's exchanging that audience and those sales for cash up front. 
What you would rather do if you have the ability to do it and the financial wherewithal to do it is to build a brand yourself, use those sales to create enterprise value, which is essentially just a multiple of whatever you're selling, and then be able to offload that brand or get acquired at some point and take a lot of money off the table. So that's something Mr. Beast has realized, and we'll get into some of the other people that have realized that too. But the first example of this for Mr. Beast was something called Mr. Beast Burger. I'm sure some of you guys have seen this over the last year or two. He launched it during the pandemic. And really what he was doing was he was taking advantage of virtual dining. So there was a company called Virtual Dining Concepts. Now, Mr. Beast and them have had a falling out, and they're actually suing each other at this point. But the reason I'm telling you this is because it was his first attempt at this. He put his name behind something and he said, okay, you guys are going to buy burgers. Now, the problem was that with virtual dining, you don't know the restaurants, you can't control the quality. And people were getting burgers that were, they were upset with them, right? They were not what the picture looks like. They were not up to the quality that Mr. Beast wanted. So he reneged on that deal. He actually ended up opening a physical location where he had 10,000 people show up for the grand opening, obviously speaks to the value of his brand. But his second attempt at this is going significantly better. The company is called Feastables. And essentially what it is, is it's a chocolate bar company. Mr. B sat back and realized with his manager, there's no one innovating in this space. It's been the same companies, the Hershey's, et cetera, for the last hundred plus years. I can make something that's a little bit healthier and disruptive. And that's exactly what he's done. Mr. Beast, Jimmy Donaldson, feels weird calling him Mr. Beast, to be honest. His name's Jimmy, but whatever. Everyone knows him as Mr. Beast. So Mr. Beast launched Feastables in 2022 with the venture arm of talent management company, Night Media. Reed, his manager, runs Night Media. They co-invested with Jimmy to go launch this brand. They got a bunch of great people behind it. They hired executives from some of the best consumer product companies in the world. And they went and launched this. And the way they launched it was typical Mr. Beast style. They held a Willy Wonka-like golden ticket contest. They hid them in candy bars all throughout the country. And one person actually won a real-life chocolate factory. I forget the specifics of it, but I think it, the saying was that like if you didn't want the chocolate factory, you could sell the property. It was like you know a multi-million dollar property alone. And he just gifted someone a chocolate factory. So, I mean, this guy's legitimately a genius when it comes to the content side of stuff. It went off really, really, really well. They sold 4 million chocolate bars within the first four months. And you can find their products literally everywhere. It's in Walmart, 7-Eleven, Target, a bunch of other stores. I actually DM'd Jimmy on Twitter when I was writing the newsletter and recording this podcast right beforehand. And I just said, hey, man, I'm going to do a breakdown of Feastables and talk about the Jersey sponsorship. Any insight you can give me on sales? He responded within like 30 minutes and was like, hey, man. We've sold 100 million plus chocolate bars in 2023. Over 100 million chocolate bars sold in 2023. And then he just said, 2024 is going to be crazy with a smiley face. So this guy is not slowing down anytime soon. And it's very clear that this is going to be a huge brand. But now they're taking it a step further. Not only are they just leveraging Mr. Beast's marketing, they now are going out and they just signed a Jersey sponsorship deal with the Charlotte Hornets of the NBA. Now, the way that these deals work and the way that this deal will work is that Feastables will have exclusive logo placement on all Charlotte Hornets uniforms. So in the upper left-hand corner across from the Jordan sign, there's going to be a Feastables logo on their home and away jerseys. They're going to wear it every single game. Lamella Ball, all the players will have it on them. They're also going to be on the G League team for the Charlotte Hornets, and the Charlotte Hornets also have a 2K eSports league where the logo will be on those jerseys as well. Feastables branding will also be featured throughout the Charlotte Hornets arena. And it'll be on the media backdrop. So the sign that you see behind everyone during the press conferences, the Feastables logo will be on there too for all press conferences and interviews. Now, the financial information wasn't released about this deal, but we can speculate pretty closely and pretty accurately. My guess is 
Their former sponsor of Charlotte was a company called LendingTree. They were paying about $5 million per year. And for anyone who hasn't been following Jersey sponsorships over the last few years since they were enacted, most of these deals are around like the 5 to $10 million a year sponsorship range. The biggest deals are like 20 to $30 million. Webull is paying Brooklyn a lot of money. The Lakers obviously have a huge deal. Rakuten with the Golden State Warriors have a huge deal. Those deals are all within like the 20 to $30 million range. But a team like Charlotte, it's probably around $5 million, maybe seven or eight, up to $10 million a year, but not more than that is my guess. It's probably a multi-year deal, so they know that Feastables isn't going to be leaving anytime soon. And it's, quite frankly, a good deal for everyone involved. And the reason why it's a good deal for everyone involved is because Feastables comes in and Mr. Beast comes in, and they're the first creator-led brand to sign an NBA sponsorship deal, and specifically a jersey patch deal. But the most unique part of this agreement is that the Hornets are going to benefit from this also. Now, of course, you look at it and you say, okay, 5 to $10 million in annual sponsorship revenue is great. Of course, no one's going to be arguing that. But I also can't think of a single NBA jersey right now that fans would purchase strictly because of the sponsor on the chest. That just literally doesn't happen. I can't think of a single one. If you look at the Golden State Warriors, Rakuten, no one's buying a Warriors jersey for that. If you look at the Los Angeles Lakers with Big Go, no one's buying a jersey because of that. If you look at the Miami Heat and Carnival, no one's buying a jersey because of Carnival. Boston Celtics, another huge historic franchise. Their sponsor is Vistaprint. No one is buying a jersey because of Vistaprint. And I would actually argue that a lot of people are not buying these jerseys because of the sponsor on the chest. Now, I don't think it makes a huge, huge, huge difference in the grand scheme of things, but they're certainly not buying it because of that. And the difference here is that I do think people are going to buy Charlotte Hornets jerseys because of Mr. Beast and Feastables. This guy is one of the most known people in the world today. He's the largest internet personality to exist. He has roughly 500 million followers, nearly 500 million followers across all of social media. Most of those followers are on his YouTube channels. He's got 189 million on his main channel. He's got 38 million on his gaming channel. He's got 32 million on his secondary channel. He has 30 million on a channel called Beast Reacts, which is just him giving a reaction to things. He's got 17 million on a Beast Philanthropy channel. And one of the things that Mr. Beast is doing that I think is really smart is they're starting to dub all of his videos in different languages. So his main channel has 189 million subscribers. He's going to pass 200 million subscribers soon. He's now doing those exact same videos in French, in Spanish, in German, in every other language you can think of. And he's hiring on staff voice actors to basically just replicate the exact same video in the same way that he's doing them on his main channel. So this guy is building a legitimate business. And he has a bunch of followers for his personal accounts too, 170 million followers across TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, I don't need to explain to people why that's important, but Fred Whitfield, who is the president and vice chairman of Hornet Sports and Entertainment, literally said it himself. He said, we are excited to have this opportunity to introduce Mr. Beast fans to the Hornets. Plain and simple. He knows that they are going to bring new fans into the organization, and it's not just about monetizing for someone else and giving them attention through your team. It's a win-win. And Mr. Beast isn't the only one doing this in professional sports. Many of you have heard about Prime Hydration. I think I've actually talked about them on this podcast before. It's a sports beverage company run by Logan Paul and KSI. Again, two of the other biggest YouTubers in the world today. And they have been spending millions of dollars on sports partnerships too. They have deals with athletes like Erling Holland, Israel Adesanya, Alex Volkolinski, and they have deals with teams like the LA Dodgers, FC Barcelona, Arsenal, and others. They also have deals with entire leagues like the UFC. They have a deal with Bayern Munich and a bunch of others too. And the reason why this is so impressive is because it's working. It's working. 
These partnerships, along with, of course, the free marketing from Logan Paul and KSI and all of their channels, both on YouTube and other social media accounts, has helped Prime sell $377 million of products so far this year. Now, I want to give you guys a little bit of context on just how big that is, because this is truly remarkable. For anyone that listens to this podcast frequently, you probably heard my episode last week talking about BioSteel. And BioSteel went around and they tried to pay a bunch of money for sponsorships with athletes, with teams, with organizations, whatever. And they could not break through in the sports drink market. The sports drink market is notoriously extremely difficult to break through in. There's like two to three companies that own all of it. Gatorade is obviously the biggest. They did $7 billion in sales so far this year. Body Armor is number two, $1.4 Now, Body Armor is a unique case because they are one of the companies that broke in over the last decade. Historically, it's been Gatorade and Powerade. But Body Armor broke in with Kobe Bryant and Mike Rapoli. They were able to sell their business to Coca-Cola at an $8 billion valuation in 2021. But Body Armor still, even though they're second, they only own 14.4% of the market. That's how big Gatorade is, right? So Gatorade owns roughly about 70% of the market. Body Armor is number two at 14%. Powerade is number three at 11%. And Prime, only in like their second or third year of existence, already has 6% market share. So, I mean, that's tremendous to go from $0 in revenue to $377 million in revenue in the first one or two years of your business. In any category, that would be impressive. Specifically in the sports drink category, it's even more impressive. So again, a lot of this has to do with the people who are behind the brand, Logan Paul and KSI. They know how to market. They have millions of fans all around the world, but the sponsorships they are doing are very intelligent too. And you got to believe these people know it. The UFC knows it. That's why they did it. FC Barcelona knows it. Arsenal knows it. Bayern Munich knows it. Sports are still the best avenue for consumer products to engage with from an advertising perspective. And the reason really why I wanted to talk about this today on uh, this podcast is because I think two things are coming out of this. Number one, we're going to see a trend where there are even more creator-led brands. These people are realizing that you're much better off instead of trading sponsorship for dollars, you're much better off trading sponsorship for enterprise value. You're much better off building your own brands that you can exit from and sell at some point because you're going to get a multiple on them for the sales that you're able to create. Now, historically, the problem with this is that building businesses is really hard, but we've run into this trend now where there are operators, people that call themselves essentially operators all over the world, online, et cetera, that are willing to run these businesses and want to run these businesses because they're able to partner with a creator in some sense, and they know that that gives them a strategic or an unfair advantage. So Logan Paul and KSI are the perfect example. Now, I don't know all of the details about this, but there's this rumor going around that they didn't actually start Prime. Of course, they didn't start Prime. You guys think that they went to the facility and were testing the formulas and drawing up a business plan and doing all this stuff? No, of course not. There's a company behind it. I think it's called Conga Brands. They came to them and said, hey, you guys are going to be the face of this brand. You're going to own a meaningful portion of equity, but we're going to do everything behind the scenes. We're going to go sell the product. We're going to get it in stores. We're going to set up the marketing tours. We're going to develop the visuals. We'll do the commercials. We'll do all of it, all that stuff, everything. You're just going to be the face of the brand. So the logistics and the ability to set up these companies has drastically changed from the past. In previous times, again, the creator themselves would have to go build this business. They would have to be the CEO and other things. Today, you do not need to do that. Times have changed. But number two, this is going to create a substantial amount of more sponsorship value in sports. Sports, again, are the best avenue to reach people from an advertising perspective. Live sports, specifically here in the United States, if you watch the Super Bowl, that's over 100 million people. There's a reason why they're charging seven to $8 million for an ad spot during that game. 
but even other events. I mean, sports, the NFL is obviously king. 27 million viewers for the Chiefs-Jets game last weekend. 27 million viewers for a Sunday night football game is insanity. Now, there's other things that get less, everything from NBA games to MLB games or whatever it is. But sports, by and large, are still the best avenue to advertise in. And I think what we're going to see is as more creator-led brands pop up because they realize that they can make more money from that rather than just advertising products for other brands, we are going to see them collectively spend more and more and more money with sports teams. And over time, these teams are going to realize. I think what Bayern Munich, what Arsenal, what FC Barcelona, and what the Charlotte Hornets are going to realize too is that they're much better partnering with a creator-led brand than a traditional brand, right? If the money is close or it's all equal, they're much more likely to partner with a creator-led brand because while there may be some risk, image risk or something else like that, depending on the person that you're signing these deals with, they have the opportunity to generate more meaningful revenue for you outside of just what they're paying you in the sponsorship fees. So the perfect example of this is jersey sales, obviously, for the Charlotte Hornets. But the Charlotte Hornets, part of the deal is they're going to be releasing exclusive Feastables merchandise with Mr. Beast, which he'll obviously be pushing on his social channels as well. So that's another avenue where they're able to do this. And then if you just think about the fan base that you're able to build, right? If you're able to get more fans in your team, that brings the value of all your sponsorship revenue up. You're able to charge more for local broadcasting rights, whatever it is. There's a million different things that you can make from a business perspective if you have more eyeballs on your product. And I think that's what teams are ultimately going to realize. This is something that I'm following very closely. It's fascinating to me. There's going to be much more of this in the future. And it's something that I'm excited to see how it changes over the next, you know, three, four, five years, but certainly over the next decade plus. My guess is that multiple of these brands are going to sell for a billion dollars plus. It wouldn't surprise me if Prime, for example, in the next 12 to 24 months sold for a couple billion dollars. That is a very real possibility. And I think when that happens, because it is going to happen at some point, all of the other creators around the ecosystem on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever it is, it's going to be a light bulb moment for them and realize that there's nothing stopping them from doing something similar too. And sports specifically are going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of this. That's it for today though, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As always, if you enjoyed it, please leave me a five-star review. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like, what I can be doing better and so forth. I hope everyone has a great weekend and we'll talk on Monday.